Our Bible reading today is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the, at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli came, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May the Lord deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel 
was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Please keep your Bibles open. Thanks, Deb. And uh, Deb is going to lead our children out to their little session. They're going to get that story in a slightly different way. Uh, and if you ask Debbie nicely, she might tell you a story, uh, show you the little video clip of Lego men telling that story to the children. Uh, I know uh, it's exciting. You want to go straight behind the screen yourself now, but stay a little while, and we'll look at this passage and learn from it. And afterwards, uh, freedom is there for you to ask any questions, make any comments. So, 1 Samuel chapter 3 in Dagnum 2015. We've had the election, and this is our new leader. May not be the leader that you wanted, but it's the leader that the election asked for, and we have the leader. Hmm? David Cameron himself, yes, the new leader of the country, which continues what he did before. And the big question is, is that what our country needs? I mean, I want to put the question mark in, because I'm not against David Cameron. I'm not asking about David Cameron as a person. I'm just saying, is a leader what our country needs the most? Certainly spent a lot of time and effort and energy thinking about it and commenting on it afterwards, but is the leader the big thing that our country needs above anything else? I'm asking this not because I'm that bored with um, uh, politics, uh, that I've just uh, become a cynic. Uh, the reason I'm asking the question is because of 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, you see what the country needs most. Let me read it to you. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And that's what the rest of chapter 3 is going to fix. Now we'll see why that is quite close to our situation uh, later. But the word of the Lord is going to come after a long time of silence. And you saw at the end, thank you Bim for reading so clearly, that uh, Samuel's word came to all Israel. God made sure that none of his words failed or, f or fell to the ground. And I want to point out to you that in this chapter 3, God's word comes to three people. It comes to Eli, because it's a word for him. It comes to Samuel, because he's the one who gets the word. And it comes to all Israel in verse 20, because that's where the road is going. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized Samuel was a prophet of the Lord. Okay? So nice and easy. Uh, three headings, Eli, Samuel, and the nation, meaning of Israel. 
So, let's start with Eli, because actually the whole of chapter 3, if you think about it, is for his benefit. Look, if God wanted to, he could have had a private one-to-one with Samuel, couldn't he? He could have said, now Samuel, wake up, I'm God, I've got something to say to you. And uh, taken it from there. If he'd done that, Eli wouldn't even have known what God had said. And there's a good chance that Samuel wouldn't have told him. Because he wouldn't have asked. But the fact that Samuel has to rush back to Eli three times gives Eli a little bit of a heads up that there's a message coming to Samuel and he's going to be asking what that message is. And the reason why Eli is going to ask Samuel, tell him, because in the story we get to understand that Samuel is a genuine prophet. And Eli is going to be knowing that by the end. Why do I say he is a genuine prophet? Is it because he's a man who heard God speak to him? So that makes him a prophet, right? Well, no. You might think that if you only had chapter 3 to go by. But last week we looked at chapter 2. And what we find in chapter 2? That God has a message for Eli, which is a message of punishment, or what you might say, a message of judgment. Now, I know you slept since then, and you can't remember a thing about chapter 2, so I'll point it out to you. In chapter 2, verse 27, a man of God came to Eli. So this is going to be a genuine message, okay? Because it is a man of God that's coming to Eli to tell him. And the genuine message tells him that he is going to be judged by God. In verse 31, the time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age and you will see distress in my dwelling. So chapter 2 tells us that God speaks a message of judgment to Eli. With me? Well, now, in chapter 3, he says pretty much the same thing to Samuel. And you can see the content of Samuel's message is, in chapter 3, verse 12, At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. So, chapter 3 and God's word to Samuel is matching Chapter 2, you put those two words right next to each other, and they match. And that is how you know that he is an authentic prophet, because the authentic prophet of God is always going to be speaking a message of judgment. It will match, the same message will match, not just in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3, but it will match wherever in the Bible you go, the authentic word from God is always a word of judgment. So that, for example, in Jeremiah, 
where we saw that little uh, song we sang, uh, which I can't hear the reference because Abigail's after her Mars bar or whatever prize I'm going to give to the person who finds out. But Jeremiah tells us that all God's people had committed two sins. And therefore God was going to judge them. That's the essential message of Jeremiah. It's an authentic message of God because it's a message of judgment. And the authentic mark of someone then who talks from God, what, you find it? You're not meant to be looking at it now. You may be listening to 1 Samuel 3 now. You get your Mars bar later. No, 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 you've got to listen to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Don't get distracted. Okay, well, you're distracting me as well. Where was I? Okay, the genuine spokesman from God says, look, You've got God wrong. And that is where you get the mark of authenticity in God's messenger. Now, the false prophet, okay, Abigail, you can go to Jeremiah. Uh, We can all go to Jeremiah. uh, To Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. What does the false prophet say? Jeremiah chapter uh, 6. Verse 14. Someone shout it out. Go on. So in other words, they are saying that everything is all right. The false prophet says, hey, chill. God's on your side. Peace, peace. When there is no peace. But that is to dress the wound of God's people lightly. Uh, watch the mark of the false prophet. Uh, Jeremiah wonders whether you've got it. Could you uh, uh, turn to chapter 8 uh, of Jeremiah and verse 11? What's the mark of the false prophet uh, in uh, chapter 8, verse 11? Ah, but Jeremiah thinks you've got it now. Um, because he says it twice, doesn't it, for us to know. That is generally the the false prophets is going to put his arm around you and reassure you that everything's all right. Uh, the authentic messenger is the messenger of judgment, saying, no, things have slipped, and we need to talk. Now, you might say, hold on a minute, that sounds a bit harsh. The authentic messenger of God is the man who talks about God's judgment? Hey, hold on a minute, I thought... The authentic messenger of God was the one who spoke about God's love. Yes. Uh, What do you mean yes? Uh, You just said the authentic messenger is the one who spoke about judgment. Yes. But you just agreed that the authentic messenger is the one who speaks about love. Yes. Because to speak about God's judgment is actually... To speak about his love. Uh, Drop it on the... Ben, thank you. Uh, Because it's loving to let people know if something's going to happen before it happens. Because it gives us a chance to ask God to stop it happening. It's like the doctor who says, you've got cancer. That's a kind thing to say because now you've got a chance to stop cancer 
by seeking the treatment. Uh, Eli, sadly, uh, doesn't uh, grab the opportunity. Uh, he has uh, resigned in uh, uh, verse 18. He says, he is the Lord, let him do it. Now, that's a very sad contrast to the way other people react to the Bible when they hear that God is going to judge. Take, for example, Moses in the wilderness. When God says, you've gone too far, I will take not another step with you. From now on, you go on your own. I'm not coming with you. You're on your own. You've turned your back on me once too many times. And Moses says, please no, we're finished if you do that. And God forgave them and uh, traveled with them, stayed with his people through the desert. You might have heard of a guy called Jonah. Uh, he went to a town called Nineveh and he told them in three days' time, this town will be destroyed. And Nineveh dropped everything. And they wondered whether God might give them a new start. And he did. And three days came and went. And they were left in safety. Because the kindness of God is to tell them before he acts in judgment in order that we can plead with him for mercy. So we can put our hands up and say, no, God, no. Please forgive us. So it is the kindness of God to say to people that he's going to judge them because then they can ask for his second kindness which is to ask him to show mercy. And the point is this is what a genuine prophet sounds like. He talks of judgment. It's very interesting actually that Sam, uh, Eli doesn't just simply wake up the next morning and he says, Samuel, you're a prophet now. God's spoken to you. No, he doesn't do that. He first waits to hear what Samuel has to say. Then he acknowledges that uh, Samuel is a prophet, an authentic one. Uh, we don't, uh, in our version, I think it's slightly weak, uh, when Samuel tells him uh, what God had told him in verse 18, so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing, then Eli said, he is Lord. Actually, literally it says, then Eli said, it is the Lord. It's like at that point, when he hears the message of judgment, that Eli then says, yep, that is the Lord. Our translation says, he is the Lord. Which is fair enough, but the original makes it much clearer. It's at that point that the lights go on for Eli and he says, this is genuine. This matches what I've heard before. That's the mark of a genuine prophet. And the mark of a genuine reaction to a prophet is that they should be uh, repent and saved. That's what the Lord Jesus asked for in the New Testament. Remember, 
in 1 Samuel chapter 3, they've not had the word of God for a long time. And now God has started speaking to his people. Well, before Jesus came, they hadn't had the word of God for a long time. And now God starts speaking to his people. And what's the first thing that John the Baptist and Jesus say? Repent. In other words, you've got, God's, got God wrong. And if you listen to John, you certainly know he's authentic. Because the crowds went to him. Well, why did they go to him? Because he was authentic. Because he spoke about God's judgment. The axe is being laid to the root, he said. Brood of vipers, he called them. In order that they might turn to God and be changed. But Eli isn't going to be changed. He doesn't respond like that. It's very interesting how you notice that in chapter 3, verse 1. At least you will if you've read chapters 1 and 2 beforehand, because in chapter 1, verse 9, he is called uh, Eli the priest. And in chapter 2, verse 11, he is called Eli the priest. But in chapter 3, verse 1, he is called Eli, no longer the priest. He had the chance to change, do something, and he did nothing. In fact, actually, the body language of Eli in the last two chapters has told you that much already. What have you read about Eli so far? You've read about him uh, sitting and speaking a bit foolishly to Hannah, uh, sitting down, speaking listening and now in this chapter what do you find him doing you, can't, you see he can't see all that well and he's lying down in other words here's a man who's presented to us as really someone who's not doing much certainly not about his sons and when he hears the authentic word of judgment against him he just accepts it he is the Lord he says let him do what is good in his eyes. Well, that's Eli. Revealing to us what an authentic prophet is like. It is the Lord when he hears the word of judgment. And it brings in uh, uh, God's goodness in other places genuine repentance. Well, what about Samuel? What would he tell us about that night if we could sit him here and have him a sort of Abigail, uh, Samuel kind of interview as we had earlier this evening? What did he make of that uh, experience that he had? Would he tell us, hey guys, now when you go to bed, uh, if you hear any strange names in the evening uh, while you're sleeping, wake up, it could be God speaking to you. Would he come up here to church on a Sunday night and tell us how we should be listening to God. Well, I don't think so. Because what Samuel learnt that night, he actually tells us in what he said to Samuel. And that is, what he learnt that night was a message. Not a method of listening to God. And what he 
learnt that evening uh, was uh, how uh, God uh, would judge even someone who was close to him. Uh, that's why the ears of everyone hearing would tingle, because Eli was the one person in the nation who was the high priest of a sort who everybody would say was close to God. And it's going to make their ears tingle when they discover that actually God has finished with him completely. There's no future for him whatsoever. That would make people's ears tingle, wouldn't it? And that's what Samuel learnt that evening. It's not up to us to get to want God to deal with us the way that he did with Samuel. In other words, to speak to us personally. Call us by name and tell us what his message is for us at that moment in time. Now, you know that because by the end of chapter uh, 3, uh, you discover that uh, the, all Israel heard that Samuel was a tester's prophet. In other words, they were going to hear God's word through Samuel. They weren't going to get it directly on their beds at night themselves. They were going to get it through the person who would bring God's word to them. We live on this side of Jesus where now God's word has been given to us in full. And therefore we don't need anybody else to speak to us on our beds. We just simply take what God has said to Jesus. And we are able to hear God through that. Same as Israel heard through Samuel. And it was important for Samuel to learn how to speak God's message of judgment. And that was his first training class that night. Because let me tell you, for the rest of Samuel's ministry, that is what he is going to be saying. Because he is God's authentic messenger. So of course that's what he's going to be saying. He's going to be saying it because very soon we're going to discover how the people of God want a new king. And they will get a king. But it is a king that is a bad it's a bad request that they're asking because they want a king like the rest of the world. And so God has, uh, Samuel has to speak again this message telling them that they're wrong. And the new king that they appoint, well, he oversteps the mark. And Samuel has to tell him that he's wrong. So the message of Samuel is going to be a message of judgment. That is why he had to understand that if he's going to be a prophet of God, this is the kind of thing that he would need to say. His days of speaking this kind of message have just begun, but they'll carry on. And I think in some ways that explains verse 7 when it tells us that Samuel had not yet uh, did not yet know the Lord because the Lord had not revealed himself to him. Now, that's an interesting insight in itself because it tells us that if anybody is going to enter into a relationship with God, it can't just happen. You don't just simply uh, choose yourself. God reveals himself to us 
And then that is how we respond and say, Now God, you've revealed yourself to me. I, therefore, want to be listening to you. That is how the relationship starts up. It's always from God's side. He reveals himself. And then we can know the Lord. Samuel had been ministering to the Lord before. But God hadn't revealed himself before. And therefore the ministry was happening because he'd learnt the ropes from Eli. But now God reveals himself by speaking. And Samuel can begin the relationship by listening. Okay, that is how you know the Lord. If you want to know how to know the Lord, He speaks, we listen. Then we'll know the Lord. <coughs> that doesn't happen, there's no connection. But I think there is another strand to it, and that is we know the Lord when we hear Him speak a message of judgment and we understand that He is right to speak it. And so therefore, uh, it is uh, an understanding that you know that God is God in the Bible way that God is God when you understand that he is a God who judges. And that's what Samuel understood in the fullness of that experience. By the end of chapter 3, he did know the Lord, not just that God had spoken and he had listened, but that God had spoken a message of judgment and he had listened so Samuel had to learn that lesson himself and then lastly there's the nation of Israel I don't think too much about that slide it's just that I needed a group of people and what they're doing waving at each other I'm not sure but that's the nation of Israel just take it from me that that's all that picture is meant to tell you now what did the nation of Israel learn the nation of Israel is going to learn, verse 20, that Samuel was an attested prophet of the Lord, and in verse 19, that the Lord was with him and would not let any of his words fall to the ground. Now, come back with me to the election we just had last week. And we'll see how this story is relevant. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you would have been here when we looked at chapter 1 and we saw that the big thing that the nation of Israel wanted at that time was a king. In the immediate days before Samuel, you can read about what the nation was like in the book of Judges and they were getting it wrong again and again because Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They need a king. And just be patient for a little while. You will get a king and that king is going to fill the rest of this book. So you'll be rewarded if you wait. But before the king turns up, the big need of the nation was not king. It was in chapter 3 verse 1. The word of the Lord. That's what the nation needed the most. A king's a help only so far as he listens to the word of the Lord. If he doesn't, and I'm afraid the first king won't. 
he's going to end up in the same way as Eli. What the nation needs is the word of the Lord. And the king comes under the word of the Lord because if he tries to come over it, he is going to be dismissed in the way you heard Eli being written off. Because in verse 19, God's words don't fail. And the nation that forgets that is going to lose out however brilliant their new king might be. Now, that needs to affect our prayer for the new government. Yeah, nothing wrong with our new king, if I can call it like that. Uh, slightly overstating the case. Nothing wrong if the leader has good leadership skills. He's certainly going to need it to keep our NHS in working order, to keep our economy on its feet, to keep Scotland in Scotland as opposed to in England telling us what to do, uh, to keep Europe in Europe if there's going to be a re referendum rather than in England telling us what to do. Uh, he's going to have his work cut out doing all those things. Certainly pray for the right leadership skills that he might do that work alongside the rest of the government. But friends, more than the leader we elected last week, as a country we do need God's word. We need a conviction that none of those words will fall to the ground. That is what will make us a healthy nation. And a king that doesn't believe that or think the nation needs to understand that uh, won't be as much of a help. Because in the end, if we don't understand that God's words don't fail, and we break God's word, then in the end, his word will break us. Eli discovered that. And so will every leader sit him. And that's why we need a nation that has God's word at the center of it. 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that is the important thing. But if that's going to happen, 1 Samuel chapter 3 also tells us that we need a Samuel church. Speaking God's authentic word that helps people to understand where we are offside in order that we can turn to God for mercy and the great kindness of his forgiveness. That's why we need to be a Samuel church rather than the Jeremiah church that goes around just simply saying, peace, peace, you'll be fine. Uh, let's just talk about the economy a bit more and help those who are disadvantaged by our economy in any way. Now, my friends, that is not the message of the authentic prophet. The authentic prophet tells us that Jesus is ultimately the king that will come back and we need to be understanding how unlike him we are. 
in order that we might call on him for mercy and his spirit to change us. And we need a Samuel church to speak like that. And the question is, if we're part of a Samuel church, will we speak like that? In other words, when you go to work tomorrow morning and you draw the curtains like Samuel did in the temple or whatever the thing that he did to let the light in to open the doors, when you get to work tomorrow and you draw the curtains and someone asks you in the office, so you went to church yesterday, what did you learn? Will you have the courage to tell him? Actually, God is a God of judgment. And you have an authentic word of God if you hear that explained to you because it's a kindness of God to explain that to you. Well, let's put the strings together for ourselves. Uh, look, I imagine that if you're new to Christian things, the big humbling thing about uh, discovering God is that you learn that if God tells you that you are wrong about him, he's actually being kind to you. Let me say that again. If God tells you that you're wrong about him, if that's what you learn by coming here, then God is being very kind to you. He does it so that you will then go to him and ask him for mercy and forgiveness. So you will experience his second kindness in the new life that he gives. Okay? So if you're new, the first thing to understand about God's kindness is he will point out how you are far away from him in order that you can receive his second kindness and be brought close. What happens if you're not new, if you're an old hand at going to church? Isn't it worth thinking about Eli for those of us who've uh, uh, got a lot of uh, church experience under our belt? Because let's face it, he is at the center of church life, isn't he? And yet God has finished with him. Does it make you want to know whether you're in that position? How would you know if you are an Eli? Center of church? But actually God has finished with you. How do you know if that's you? But I want to suggest you know if you sit here and you hear God's word and you carry on sitting here and coming back and sitting again. That's what Eli did. He went to church. He was in the center of church. He heard God speak a message of judgment, but he was as inactive after as he was before. God's word will push us out of our comfort zone. It will have pushed Eli out of his comfort zone to go and confront his sons. It will push us out of our comfort zone to go and confront our estate. 
if all we're doing is coming to church and sitting down, well, then we're Eli people, aren't we? When he tells us, go, and we stay, and nothing changes, middle name Eli. We need to be careful because God finished with the person who was going to just do that, even though he might have been in the center of his church. But what happens if you want to be more like uh, Samuel? My friends, I think it means for us that we need to understand what a clear, authentic word from God sounds like. It'll sound like God will judge those who are far from him. We need to think that for ourselves as well as farm it out to other people. And the reason we need to do that, especially as we go out to the estates and talk to people on the doors, if we don't speak about the future, we won't be like Samuel. And what will make us speak about the future is the confidence that only the authentic message about the future will bring the authentic response of repentance. If we don't speak about the future, there will ultimately no, be no response. Now look, we want to say it as kindly as we can. I suppose in some ways we ought to want to say it as reluctantly as Samuel said it to Eli. We'd rather be talking about other things. And we're not going to be rushing to people and saying, hey, God's got it in for you. No, that's not what we're about. Oh, we're filled with compassion because essentially our message is a message of kindness. But it'll only be a message of kindness if it is a message of clarity. That we don't mince our words. And that actually we explain it very clearly. That God is kind to tell us what the future is before it arrives. Because when people see the kindness of God in the first message, they will appreciate the kindness of God in the second. Because that's what happens every time. You might remember Peter at Pentecost. What did he say? He said in Acts chapter 2, look, you people, you're here. You're here for a religious festival. It is Pentecost. But let me tell you what you've just done. You've gone and killed your Messiah. That's what you've just gone and done. It's a mess of judgment, isn't it? You think you're close, but you're not. But that message brings about the authentic message of repentance. Immediately they cry out, so what must I do to be saved? The authentic message brings about an authentic response. No other message will. So if you want people to respond to God authentically, in a real way, then we need to speak to them clearly about the future. But I hope that's uh, reasonably clear, so that God might then extend the kindness of his word to our estate, as well as this week 
to our nation. It's what we need more than anything else. Let's pray that God speaks and that our nation will hear and that we'll be willing for him to speak through us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that in your kindness you speak to us words of judgment and we cry out for our nation at this time that you will raise up a Samuel church to speak this word of kindness to our nation explaining the future and would you please in your goodness raise up a nation that will do much more than just listen and nod but that will cry out to you for mercy convinced that not one word of yours will fall to the ground and be forgotten so please give us we pray authentic words and an authentic response for the glory of your name we pray. Amen.